Fresh Art International presents Art Talk, conversations about creativity in the 21st century. I'm Kathy Bird, Fresh Art producer, and today I'm talking with Joao Paulo Feliciano as I'm sitting in his recording studio in Lisbon. And I've just been this afternoon to see your exhibition, Monkey Business, at Cristina Guerra's. Tell me about that show. It's a bit more than just a simple artist solo show. There are like three separate parts of the exhibition, if you want. Um, one, which is, I'd say, like the, the normal part of the exhibition. It's comprised of like six uh, new artworks. Mm -hmm. Then there is another section which, so it's a section where I have like what one would call merchandising or uh, there's t-shirts, posters, CDs, uh, vinyl from my actual record label, which is the record label that I run right now called Pataka Discos, but also from a record label that I had in the 90s and I still had stuff around, and from the band that I had in the 90s and from the band that I have right now, catalogs from my exhibitions that I've done, it's all there on sale at a normal bookstore or record store prices. And then there's another section which is a actual garage sale. It's just stuff that I had around in the studio and I don't need anymore. Uh, I saw a wheelbarrow yeah, and very, three guitars. Yeah, very different kind of stuff. Like Definitely. It's interesting and it generated uh, some discussions, especially during the opening of the exhibition. Is the relation of especially that part of the exhibition to, to art, if you want to say. I take that as absolutely non-art. That's not art. I mean, it's just a garage sale. It's just a cheap economy action that I could, I could just go to a flea market and put those things to, on sale there for the prices that I'm selling them there. And it's just that I, I propose that to the galleries to include in my exhibition a section that was not art. It was just something a, from a, your everyday life. Yeah. But then, of course, it's people like saying, it, you can't escape. I mean, you're an artist, you're doing a show in an art yes. gallery. You have to, at least have to take this as an artist's action. Yes, and, and uh, so somehow each object uh, has a metaphoric significance suddenly that yeah. you maybe didn't place on it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but so and I was I was saying that well, it seems that Duchamp took a, a hard time making people accept that pissoir was art. Now I'm having a hard time making people understand that a garage sale is not art. Tell me about how you grew into music as one of your platforms. Yeah, music is part of my life even from, since before art. I mean, because it's since early youth, since my early teen days that I've been loving music and playing music since like I was 10 at least. So you had a band? Yeah, on? I had a band like in, when I was 17 or 18. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing professional or, or even with the hopes of getting too, too far. But I, but I was involved in music and I, I felt that music would always be important in my life and I didn't know how at the time. Then I went to college and to study language and, and literature, which is my 
graduation, I graduated on language and literature studies, Portuguese and English literature. And while I was at the at college, the interest in art became really more strong. Suddenly, I started to be interested in visual arts, and I met some artists, and I started to, well, I already made drawings, so I started to make paintings and then some objects. Somehow I started a, a career as a visual artist. You know? And your aesthetic uh, as a visual artist. Yeah. When I started, I was really more, uh, into painting schnabel without the figuration and the plate, kind of Sigmar Polk, some tapias at the beginning, also on the like trying to introduce some found objects or some uh, more uh, non-traditional materials in the in the paintings. And then I went to live some time, like uh, less than a year, in Brussels. And that was a big change in in my artistic career. When I went to Belgium, I, I, I wanted to, to open up possibilities as an artist. If I take like the years between 87 and 92, like these five years, I think I've used it all that you can list as uh, artist vocabulary or materials. I did paintings, drawings, collage, photography, videos, sound installation, music. Uh, I made a record, uh, uh, a rock band. I, had, uh, I started a record label. I started a graphic design thing. It all, like, it was That's in these five years, I started. Did the full range yeah, yeah, of yeah, creative experience. Absolutely. And then. Yeah. And but then, down something a little. <laughs> then in, in the middle of that, I was doing a lot of things, but uh, obviously not making enough money to leave from doing art, especially that I was doing very, I wouldn't say strange artworks because it's not strange, but uh, not really commercial pieces. I was doing, I did a piece like called Crash Music. It was just 50 vinyl LPs smashed against the wall. Well, I actually you did. Sold did now, right? I sold it now for um, quite some money to Sarovas awesome. Museum. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Super. No, That's it, the way it should have. Twenty happen. years after it was made, another piece that I did around that time called "White Dust Rusted Strings," which was obviously a metaphor for music and rock and roll, like which was uh, just lines of talco powder <laughs> on the ground yes. that I made very perfect. Also related to the pentagram, like in where you read, write music. And, and then when, after the lines were perfectly set up, I throw rusty, old rusty guitar strings on top of it. So the lines got destroyed, like by the effects of the strings. And so the installation was just the strings and the taco powder on the ground. So that kind of stuff, just to mention two examples, was very hard to sell at the time, even though I I was working with one of the best Portuguese galleries at the time. And I started a graphic design studio with my brother. We set up a company, a small company, with, that was basically a graphic design studio, but at the same time was just a formal platform for me to do other projects, if I had other projects to do, which I started to do. One of them was setting up an independent record label with some friends, which was kind of successful, but obviously not financially viable 
in the 90s. It was very hard for uh, independent rock, pre-internet times. Okay. Yeah. But I remember the years like until from 92 to 95, 96, the opening up of possibilities and ex artistic experience never stopped. And, and I started to be interested like in new technologies and developments in like sensors or more interested in what like Gary Hill was using with video and sensors and stuff like that and multimedia. And I I was kind of lost for some time, lost in the sense of what what I what shall I do with all these things? I mean how to I had the feeling that I, I need to find something where I can put all these interests and... And all the energy. Uh, yeah, obviously. and all this energy in something that kind of encompasses it all, which it's not easy and was not evident. And then by luck and destiny, this was the pre-Expo 98. So around 96, I got invited to collaborate with Expo 98 uh, and for a very exciting and very specific project. I was invited to be part of the early team, this was two years before the expo, that had to, to think of nightly show that happened at the center of the expo site. Excellent. And then suddenly an that was that like, was. wow, this is it. I mean, even though I understood that for the expo officials, they were in their minds, hiring me as a consultant to find someone else oh, or a company it to do. Well, me and the people that were part exactly. of the team, because we were like very like-minded, very energetic, and we said, we, we are going to do this thing. It's not some French company. I mean, we have to do it. We know how to do it. And of course, it was very daring because none of us had done nothing compared to that before. What, if I was uh, there, what would I have experienced? It's very hard to, to describe. It was basically the night show, so it happened 132 nights in a row. It was in the middle of an old, uh, a dock, a renovated dock, the size of nine football pitches. So people could be all around, and the show happened in the, in the middle. And it was using projections and light and sound, moving structures, big, big moving structures. The Oceanarium that was brand new, was landmark of the Expo 98, was also part of the scenography of the show. And there was a very basic kind of universal story as a guideline being told, but not told. Uh, the story was not told like in in very easy to file to follow metaphors. Since the start, I said to the people that were involved, I said, "This is obviously a show for millions of people. We're talking about millions, and in the end, about we don't know five to eight million people must have." seen that show. So we're talking about something that is for a, a, a broad audience. But we don't, uh, we shouldn't lower the level of our artistic exigence, as you say, mm -hmm. or we should, shouldn't try to, to, to speak in an easier way because a lot of people are going to see. Uh, we have to, to do something that some guy like Baudrillard 
or Dan Cameron comes in and loves it at the same time as the guy from the bakery shop on the corner. That was, a, 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 like in my artistic parkour, a very important moment because that sort of, it crystallizes all these interests and approaches that I have working with music and sound and the visual side of it, uh, creating something spectacular for people, working with art metaphors. I love how you use the word uh, for your artistic practice of a parkour. I can take it all, I can mix it all, and I can produce an artistic object that is a synthesis of being an artist and a musician and an art director and a designer and an architect somehow, and the light designer all together. It's not uh, pastiche, it's a, a real synthesis and coming together of the, all these disciplines and obviously working with other people. You have a musical group now that performs. My um, acti musical activity uh, nowadays, like since the last three years, I, it's basically, I have a, a big band and a record label. And now I, I do recordings and um, act as producer for other bands at the same time as I have my, my own band. The, my own band right now called Real Combo Lisbonense. It's a very rewarding project to be in. We investigate on the early days of Portuguese pop music and this period where the dance music was made for people to dance and people listen to music by going to dance ballrooms and listen to music to amuse themselves and to dance. So we're talking about like the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, then rock and roll came in and the electricity came in and those kind of dance musics, the polkas and cha-cha-chas and mambos and Bossa Novas from Brazil started to mix up with uh, rock and roll and twist and yeah, yeah, and then with soul and funky and disco. So we investigate on this gen genealogy of the early days of Portuguese pop uh, music and we take that repertoire and do update versions of it, but being very respectful for the way it was done. In a way, it's, it's a bit like playing Bach with original instruments. In this idea of being respectful, trying to make the music sound as it sounded at that by that time. So we take it great care of the equipment we use. Uh, we use basically vintage instruments vintage and amplifiers and basically when we record we use a lot of uh, vintage techniques at the same time we're not orthodox because this is a 21st century band looking back in the past for uh, uh, to bring it into the the, the present th for me it's it's connected to something a bit more less superficial than it might seem at the first glance. It has to do with the, what I call progressive nostalgia, which is, it's an awareness. If you look around and, and notice how fast are we changing as a civilization, it's pretty clear for me that uh, we're in, in this acceleration, there's great danger of simply losing things 
objects, traditions, um, forms of expression, possibilities even. In music, this is pretty clear. I mean, the changes between like the the whole time of tube, vacuum tube equipment, heavy stuff, and the laptop, the difference between the the gramophone or the vinyl record player and the MP3 player. So the, the, the difference are huge. And some of the things are too important for us to just be abandoned, like the ability to play together as a band based on a common language that is being developed for centuries, which is music. And there is a, a logic. So there are notes. You can write arrangements. An arrangement is a guideline. It's a chart. It's a language that a, a group of musicians can share to produce something together that is, it, it's not achievable on a computer because it's a human activity and it's a human activity based on the existence of physical materials and situations and based on an accumulation of knowledge that is centuries old. I, I want to look in the past to see if there are things that are too important for us not to bring with us into the future. Um, I want to, to be aware of this. And in this case, in the music scene, I'm doing this with Real Combolismens. Who goes to hear you play? Who, Real who Combolismens? Who's interested in that, what you're that's creating? The other amazing thing of Real Combolismens is that we have people of all ages and people of all cultural backgrounds go to see us. It's really nice. The music is really good. The sound is good. The visual setup is really nice. How has it worked for you to have all these platforms now? I think now I'm 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 used to it. It uh, it it requires a certain organization uh, uh, in the work, so I can manage like different projects and. Moreover, I, I developed the, like the natural ability of finding bridges and ways to connect all these different activities. So the reason why it, it suddenly just a click, oh, I'm going to integrate my activity as the, re the record label in my art show in Christina. So, and then we made a, a, a concert there and at the show the, the, in the gallery last week uh, with three bands that are on my label. So, and, so you're having yeah, fun. Absolutely. <laughs> You've been listening to Fresh Talk with João Paulo Feliciano. Read more about João Paulo and hear other podcasts in this series on freshartinternational.com.